Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Our subject for this study is the second coming of Messiah. And it's very important that we understand what the scripture says concerning this event. And if you are a believer, and for everyone who comes to faith prior to, and this is also going to be important for our study, and I'm speaking about the rapture, what Paul calls the blessed hope. The rapture and the second coming, they are not the same event. They are two different events that take place at different times and for different groups of individuals. Now, before we get started, let me share with you one very important verse, and that is 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 13, because there it speaks about the second coming. When the heavens open up and Messiah comes and the scripture says, we, the saints, we be, will be with him. What does that mean? It means those who have taken part in the rapture, they have been with Messiah, with God our Heavenly Father in heaven during the time that God has poured out his wrath on this world. We have not experienced any of the wrath of God, but we have been in the kingdom of heaven. And now at the end of of Daniel's 70th week, those last seven years, we see that Messiah is returning and he's going to do two things. First of all, he is going to pour out judgment upon the enemies of Israel, those who are against the purposes of God. So he's going to, and here's the first thing, he is going to pour out judgment. He will bring a conclusion to the wrath of God. Secondly, he will deliver Israel, one-third of the Jewish people. Now, we need to remember, and we've spoken about this before, that we find that there's a time of great persecution. Jeremiah spoke of this time as a time of Jacob's trouble. And we know that during this difficult time, Daniel says in chapter 12 and verse, verse 1, it will be the most difficult time ever for the Jewish people. And during that time, two-thirds of the Jewish population in the world will be put to death. And the vast majority of them, if they have not come to faith, they will be without hope for eternity. But God, who is faithful, he is going to bring, and the scripture is emphatic about this, he will bring one-third through this time, and when they see the heavens opening up, when they see the one who has been pierced, 
having these wounds in his palms, in his side, in his ankle, when they see that, they will recognize who he is, that he is Yeshua, Jesus Christ. And they will receive him, much similar to Thomas. When Thomas saw those same imprints, he touched them. And what did he say? Behold my Lord and my God. And they will come to faith. Now we see, remember those two things, Messiah is coming back the second time, not the rapture. This is after the rapture. And as I said, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13 says, we, the saints, will be with him. And Messiah is coming to defeat the enemies of Israel, to complete his judgment, his wrath upon this world, delivering the Jewish people. And here's the third thing that he will do. He will establish his kingdom, that millennial kingdom for 1,000 years. And we see in the book of Revelation, chapter 20, it mentions this two times, that we will rule and reign with Messiah. Who's we? The saints. Those who've accepted the gospel prior to the rapture. We will be with Messiah for eternity. We will be, during that millennial kingdom, ruling and reigning with him. We'll talk more about that when we get into chapter 5 in a few weeks. But our focus in this study is that second coming. Take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Matthew and Matthew chapter 24. Now, we saw that after the abomination of desolation, there was an important shift in whom Messiah was speaking about. Beginning in verse 16, the abomination of desolation is spoken of by Messiah Yeshua. In verse 15. In verse 14, he speaks about that end. What end is he referring to? We've learned this. The end that he's speaking about three times in this 24th chapter is the end of the church age. And what brings that end about? We should know it's the rapture. That blessed hope that we have. That we will not experience God's wrath. As Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 9, we, the believers, those who have received the sufficiency of Messiah's work upon that tree, those who have believed in the redemption, the eternal redemption through the blood of Messiah, we will not be here for the wrath of God, but rather it says, we have been appointed for salvation. And that word salvation is a word of victory. So beginning in verse 16, there's a change in the text. We saw this last week in our study, where the focus is the land of Judah, speaking about Israel of today, and how there's going to be a time of great persecution. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, the worst time of persecution ever for the Jewish people. But in the end, the greatest number possible of the Jewish people will come to faith. 
will put their trust, will confess their sins and receive the work of Messiah so that they will be part of that millennial kingdom. They will receive God's covenantal promises to them. So this begins in verse 16. We see that phrase, great tribulation, in verse 21. And we see it this time. There is going to be, as I mentioned, a horrible persecution. And the last verse we saw last week was this. Had God, this God who is loving, who is merciful, who is compassionate, it says, if God were not to shorten these days, and he will, no flesh would survive. But he's going to supernaturally shorten these days. And in doing so, in the midst of this, the Jewish people, they are going to be wanting, thinking about that promise, that promise of Messiah, their Redeemer, their Deliverer. And it's with that in mind that we begin this study. So look with me to verse 23. Matthew 24 and verse 23 where it says, Then, if, if they say to you, Behold, hear the Messiah, or hear, meaning another place, he commands us, do not believe. Now why is that? The reason for this is the second coming of Messiah is going to be, and we'll see this in a moment, a very dramatic event. It is not going to be limited to one location. It's not going to be dependent upon you being in some particular place. If you are part of the nation of Israel and a non-believer, it is not a location, it is not some place, but rather, we are going to see that the second coming, when it comes to complete the judgment of God upon this world, when he comes to deliver Israel, when he comes to establish that millennial kingdom, it will be a very dramatic event. What we can talk about in Hebrew, erua, bolet a very dramatic event. And we're going to see exactly what that is. So it says, at that time, when the Jewish people will be thinking about Messiah because of their suffering, their hardship, it says, if someone should say to you, behold, here, the Messiah, he says, or there, it's the same word here, but in the idiom, it's here or there, do not believe. For, look at verse 24. Now, the enemy uses everything for his purpose. And when the Jewish people will be thinking about Messiah, the enemy is going to begin, as he always does, to speak lies and falsehood and deception. And that's why, look at verse 24, it says, For there will arise Someone's causing that. What's causing this arising up of what he says, false messiahs and false prophets? It's the enemy. He is going to use this time of desperation, 
this time of fear that will be placed upon the Jewish people because of this most intense time of persecution, he is going to try to do what he always does, and that is to lead people into deception, lead them astray. So precisely at this time it says, for there will rise up false messiahs and false prophets. And what will they do? It says, and they will give great signs and wonders, so to deceive. That's their purpose. Now, we need to pause for a moment and get something right. You'll recall that verse 5 is an important verse. Here, Messiah is speaking primarily to disciples. And he warns because this whole time of Daniel's 70th week, is a time of falsehood, deception, lies. Why? Because during these last final seven years, during Daniel's 70th week, it's going to be the Antichrist, his empire, that's ruling. And his empire is an empire of blasphemy and deception and falsehood. And remember what it says. Many will come in my name. Who's speaking? Yeshua. So they are going to come in his name and say that, that he, referring to Yeshua, is the Messiah. And you say, well, that's good. He is the Messiah. But here's the problem. They're going to say, oh, we're a believer. They're not. They're going to say he's the Messiah. That's good. But that false confession of their faith in him, but saying that they believe in him, that then they're going to give falsehood. They're going to give heresy. They're going to be an instrument of deceit, and they will lead many astray. They're going to be deceivers. But in verse 5, they are saying that Yeshua, Jesus, is the Messiah. But when we come to our verse here, verse 24, here it says that there's going to be many individuals that they proclaim about themselves that they are the Messiah, that they are Christ, but they are false. That's why it says, then there shall arise many false Christs and false prophets, and they will do exactly what we read in Revelation chapter 13. During this time of the Antichrist rule, during the time that he's going to want people to take that mark of the beast, which is a statement of absolute loyalty to that, that Antichrist and his empire. You know, there's been many confusion, many ridiculous and totally incorrect statements concerning the mark of the beast in regard to the corona vaccination and such. Learn something. The mark of the beast is a statement. When you receive, God forbid, we wouldn't, of course, as believers, receive it. But those who will, they're going to have to make a statement of absolute allegiance, total loyalty to the Antichrist and his empire. That's how one takes the mark of the beast. Not by confusion, not out of just, well, I want to be able to do this, so I'll, I'll take this vaccine, I'll take this. 
We need to be very mature here. Stop being led astray. The mark of the beast is a mark. And remember, what the Antichrist is about is counterfeit. Now, if you do a good job of studying, for example, Deuteronomy chapter 6 or Deuteronomy chapter 11 or Exodus 13, and there in that 13th chapter, it's spoken about twice. There is what's called tefillin in, in Hebrew, phylacteries from the Greek word that speaks of these boxes, little boxes that contain scripture that one binds upon their forearm or binds upon their forehead. This is the same place that the mark of the beast will go. Here's what we need to see. People are going to be challenged. Who are you going to follow? What are you going to submit to? Are you going to do the work arm, is synonymous biblically with deed, power, effort, action, and the forehead with thought? Are you going to think according to the word of God and behave according to the word of God? Or is your allegiance loyalty going to be towards the Antichrist? That's the challenge. So again, it's not something that someone does by accident. I didn't know what I was doing. It is going to be very clearful that the mark of the beast is paying one's allegiance, being absolutely loyal to this empire of blasphemy. Obviously, a follower of Messiah would not make such a statement. But this time is a time of great deceit. Remember what it says. And these false Christs and false prophets, they are going to, they will do many great signs and wonders. For what purpose? In order to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Verse 25. Then Messiah says, behold, remember that word? It's a word of grabbing one's attention is to say, this is significant, what's going to follow. And he says, behold, I have told you before. Now that phrase, to tell someone previously, very interesting. In the Greek grammar, it is in the perfect tense, meaning this. This is something that's not new. He said it previously. He's saying it now and the truthfulness of that is going to extend on into the future. So a very, this use of the perfect tense emphasizes, it makes emphatic what he's saying. Look again at verse 25. Behold, I have told you before, verse 26. Therefore, if they should say to you, behold, in the desert he is, do not go out. Or behold, in the interchambers, he says, do not believe. Why? Because he's going to tell us something about the second coming. And again, the second coming is not for the church. Did you hear that? The second coming is not for the church. The second coming is for Israel to deliver them to defeat the enemies of God, which will also be the enemies of Israel and to set up the millennial kingdom. And in the millennial kingdom, we're going to be, as I said, check out Revelation chapter 20, verse 4 and verse 6. 
We are going to be ruling and reigning with Messiah. It's not so much for us. We're going to be, the body of Christ, are going to be in a supervisory role. We're going to be overseeing. We're going to have authority. We'll talk more about that when we get into Matthew chapter 5 and Messiah's teaching. But look at what he says here. He says, verse, verse 27, For just as lightning goes forth from, and your Bible probably says the east, and it's the word for rising. The sun rises in the east, and it sets in the west. Literally, the language is rising and setting, but we would translate it for simplicity. He says, for just as the lightning goes forth from the east and shines unto the west, thus will be the coming of the Son of Man. So what he's saying, and I mentioned this a few minutes ago, what he's saying is the second coming is going to be a very dramatic event. Just like lightning, doesn't matter where you are, whether you're uh, uh, in one location or a half mile or a kilometer away, when lightning goes, it lights up the sky. You see it in one place and across the horizon to the other side. It is most visible, most dramatic. And this is what he's saying. Don't think it's his second coming. You have to be in the wilderness. You have to be in some location inside, some building, some chamber. No, it's going to be most spectacular. He says, for just as lightning goes forth from the east, and shines unto the west, thus will be also the coming of the Son of Man. Look at verse 28. Now, in verse 28, we have a very unusual scripture. It says here, let me just read it literally, translated, it says, For where there should be the carcass, there will be gathered the, the vultures. And this is the word for like an eagle. It's in the plural. And what's he saying? Well, remember something. If you go back to, for example, the story of David and Goliath. And by the way, that account of David and Goliath, this victory, it comes to us within the context of redemption. God moving through David. In this day, in the end times, the last days, God is going to move through the son of David to bring victory. But just like David had victory, this one individual, and it brought about victory for all of his people. But here's the connection. Remember, it speaks about how David says to Goliath, your carcass will be in the field. And the birds of the air, they'll come and feed upon you. So this was what should come into our mind. It is natural. If there's a dead body, the vultures come. And in that same way, God, because he's a covenant-keeping God, in just the same way that it's, it's just natural. It just happens. It's for sure. There's a dead carcass. Vultures come. 
There is a covenant-making God, a holy, righteous God. He is going to fulfill his covenant promises to his people. So we have victory. We have the shame of the enemies of God, the enemies of Israel. They are going to die and be laid out upon the, the fields of Israel. Just like what we see other places where it speaks you can see this in the book of Revelation, where on a very unique location, Armageddon. And Armageddon is the valley. It has another name, by the way. It's also known as the valley of Jehoshaphat. What is that term, Jehoshaphat? Well, it's a two-word name, and it speaks about God, the Lord, He judging. And that's what God's going to do. He's going to see that vast army that comes from all over the world. Every nation is going to come against Israel. And that final battle, the battle of Armageddon, which is also the battle of Gog and Magog, that war. And the, the main battlefield, that primary place of this conflict is going to be near what we call today Megiddo. It is also known as the mountain of Megiddo or Har. Har is mountain. Har Megiddo or Armageddon. And this is the mountain of destruction. And it's for the purpose of taking control of that mountain. Why? If you contain, if you control that mountain, you have free passage to Jerusalem along the coastal highway. Well, this is a place of many battles. And the battle is going to be in the field next to it, which is the Valley of Jezreel. Now, what is that term, Yisrael? It means God will plant. He is going to, in the last days, bring his people back, plant them back upon the valleys and hills, in the Galilee, in Samaria, in Judea, in the Shephelah, along the coast, in the Negev. And God is doing just that in our days. Scripture is being fulfilled. One can see God's faithfulness to his prophetic revelation. It is taking place. And what he promises here is that he is going to when he returns the second time, I'm speaking about Messiah Yeshua, Jesus Christ, that he is going to set up his kingdom, delivering his old covenant people, bringing them to faith in that same gospel. There's only one name in which we are saved, the name Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, only through his gospel message. And what we're going to do in our next study we're going to be talking about two biblical signs. One is the sign of the rapture. And the other one, although it's similar, there's one very important difference. And this is the sign for the second coming. Two different signs. Why? Because the rapture and the second coming are two different events. So if you don't know what these two different signs are, and we'll read about them in the scripture, 
then you'll want to join next time because it's an important study concerning the faithfulness of God. Until that time, may God richly bless you. Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Thank you.